WTBN Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. See, a dedicated life is not some mystical, deep kind of thing, so deep that no one can figure it out. I mean, there are some deeper life teachers, you don't know what they're saying. It begins with a simple surrender of self. There are some people who really struggle to have a deeper life, and somehow they think they have to do more and get more of God. You know, this is just the opposite. God has given you everything. All he says is, you give me yourself. That's it. You give me yourself. You don't need more of him. Based on his mercy and that he's given you everything you need, just give him yourself. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In our last class, Pastor Steve began to teach from the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. In the first 12 chapters, Paul built a rock-solid case demonstrating that every human ever born, except the Lord Jesus, of course, is in big trouble with God unless God somehow initiates a change. We have all sinned and fallen short of His standards. As a result, we deserve eternal separation from God. But God did initiate a change, and His gift to us is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us the bad news that we are helpless and hopeless on our own, and the wonderful news that God has paid our sin debt and is willing and eager to give us the help and hope we need when we put our full trust in Christ. I hope that you can follow in your Bible as we read verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. Here is Pastor Steve. If you look at verse 1, let me read that again. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice which is acceptable to God. Now what does that mean? I think this is vague terminology for a lot of us, but may I put it in its true historical context? In the Old Testament, a Jewish priest would bring an unblemished animal unblemished in the sense that it could have no defects on it. He could not bring the worst animal that he could find. He would not bring an animal with a broken limb. He would bring an unspotted animal, an animal that was, was good, an animal that was unblemished. And he would kill that animal. And he pre would present it to God as an expression of worship. It's the way to approach God in anticipation of that perfect sacrifice, which was Christ. But nowadays... God doesn't want us to bring animals to him. The Messiah has come. We don't need animals anymore. He doesn't want dead animals. Instead, he wants us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. No longer are we to bring little lambs and slay them. We are to bring ourselves at the altar. You see, we are a kingdom of priests. There is no priest today. We are a kingdom of priests to offer up spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. And when we present ourselves, that's in contrast to the Old Testament priests presenting the animal. We are living sacrifices as opposed to dead ones. We are a holy sacrifice because we have been cleansed by Christ. When we come to him, we have been declared righteous. That's what justification is all about. We are those who come without spot and blemish in God's sight. And we are acceptable as a sacrifice, whether you like yourself or dislike yourself. God says it is acceptable because he delights in it when we present ourselves. And he says in verse 1, when you present yourself, it is a spiritual service 
of worship. This word is really reasonable. It is the Greek word from which we get our word logical. It is reasonable. That's why some of the versions translate it reasonable as opposed to spiritual. It is logical. The most logical thing for a believer to do is to present his body to Christ. And when Paul says present your body, he means all of you, your soul, your spirit, everything you've got, your most prized possession yourself is put on the altar. See, God isn't urging us to do something that is unreasonable. He's not telling us to do something that doesn't make sense. He is pleading with us to show him gratitude for his kindness to us. You know, there are believers who, who think, they think, well, look, I can't give myself totally to the Lord. If I do that, he'll mess up my life. He'll mess it up. There's still things I want to do. I have, I have plans. I want to do my thing. He'll make my life miserable. Would he ever make your life miserable when he's been so kind to you thus far? I mean, Paul says, based on his kindness, the most reasonable and logical thing to do is to present yourself to him. If he's been this kind to you in salvation, could you not trust your entire being to him? You think he's going to mess it up? You think he's going to say, this is what I've been waiting for? I have been plotting how to ruin your life. No, based on his kindness, give him what you are and who you are. It is totally illogical for a Christian to hold back anything. In fact, carnality for a Christian is the most illogical thing in the universe. I mean, we tend to accept it as the norm because Paul mentioned it to this horrible church called the Corinthians and everybody thinks, well, then I'll just be backslidden. I can't tell you how many people have, have tried to justify where they are by saying, I'm backslidden. I've been carnal. Well, how long? Oh, years. You have to wonder if that person knows Christ. Even when Paul dealt with the Corinthian church, they weren't in a position of carnality for years. Carnality is illogical. And the only logical thing for a Christian to do is to give himself to the Lord. Every part of me. And Paul says this is true worship. Some versions translated service, some translated worship, because it is the word that was used for the priests in the temple serving the Lord as they worshiped him. So both thoughts are there. It's worship, it's service as it is worship. Serving the Lord and worshiping him as you're doing it. True worship is not giving God a 10% tip. Can I tell you that? True worship is not giving God a 10% tip and say, I know you're satisfied now. I mean, that's how a lot of people think. It's not giving God one day a week. It's not giving him Sunday. I mean, this is where we're different than the Old Testament Israelite who said, I'll give God Saturday. The New Testament regenerated believer says, every day I worship you. You say, why do we get together on Sunday? Because on Sunday we worship together, that's all. Every day is to be worshipped with a Christian. That's why it troubles me. This isn't even in my notes, but this is why it troubles me when David has to tell us to sing out. You know what that says? You're not worshipping him during the week. If you're worshipping him and giving him praise during the week, you come here with a heart that is prepared to worship. And singing his praises is worship. We don't just go through formality. We don't just go through the motions. It is worship. He is here. He is in our midst. We are to worship him. True worship is not giving God one day a week and saying, I know you're satisfied. I did my thing. That is unacceptable to God. True worship is not serving him once in a while when it is convenient for you. Oh, I've got a free night. Sure, I can serve the Lord. True worship is offering your bodies to be used at his disposal when he chooses to use it, not when you choose to use it, not when I choose to use it. 
Worship is to take place all the time. At work, you allow God to use you. At home, you allow God to use you. At school, you allow God to use you. You see, God wants to use your bodies to serve him, to honor him, to bring him glory. And you see, what happens is when we don't use, give him our bodies to to fulfill his desires, then we always use our bodies to fulfill our own desires. Always. The Corinthians had a problem with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, I'm not saying that we'll always use it the way the Corinthians did. You don't have to be an immorality to be carnal and using your body for your own pleasure. But the Corinthians were, were involved in immorality. They even had a little slogan. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. Uh, Paul is dealing with morality and their immorality. And this was their slogan. Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. You know what they mean? I mean, look. It's just a biological drive. Why stop a a biological need? So we're immoral. God made us that way. I mean, that's, that's the thought here. Paul denounces that. He says in response, but God will do away with both of them, yet the body is not for immorality. The body wasn't created for immorality, but for the Lord. The body was made for the Lord. Your body was made for the Lord. You were made to give him glory and honor. And that's why Paul goes on to say in verses 19 and 20, and this is the context, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Same thing that Paul is saying in Romans chapter 12. You have been purchased. You belong to him. He has been kind to you. Now the least you can do is give him your best, and that's your body. We're to glorify God with our bodies, ourselves. Paul did that in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. He said this. He said, Christ shall, he, uh, he said, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I shall uh, not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul said, look, I don't care. Dead, alive, Christ be exalted in me. In Romans chapter 6, which is really a parallel passage to Romans chapter 12, verse 13 Paul says, and do not go on presenting the members of your bodies to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present, present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In verse 19, he says, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification. In other words, before you were saved, you just did whatever you wanted to do. You basically said to sin as if sin were a person, I'm here, I'm yours, use me. Paul says now, now that you're not only saved, but you understand the mercies of God in salvation, you say, Lord, I'm yours, use me. Give him your body. He's done so much for you. Have you ever dedicated your life to Christ? I mean, really dedicated it to him. With a knowledge, with an understanding, not just an emotion, not just, just spurred by an emotion. Paul is not, is not encouraging us by, by emotions. He is encouraging us based on the knowledge of the word of God, by the mercies of God. 
Have you ever said, as an act of worship, Lord, I'm here. I give myself to you to be used at your disposal. Every believer needs to do that. Have you ever said, I'm sick of using my body for my own sinful desires? It's yours. I can remember the time that I said that to the Lord. It was my first year as a student at Moody Bible Institute. And Dr. Stephen Olford came to Moody to speak at Founders Week. I'll never forget it. It was on a Friday night. In fact, I had the pleasure of picking him up at the hotel and, and uh, getting him lost on the way to Moody. That's right. Distinct honor. We were walking in a hard hat area, and someone spotted us. But I, I got him there, and so I was, uh, having met him, I was very much in tune with wanting to hear what he had to say. And I had heard him for years on the radio. And so it was a thrill for me to listen. So I suppose I listened more intently that night than to most speakers. He spoke on the lordship of Christ. He didn't even deal with Romans 12, 1 and 2. He didn't speak in those terms, but it was the same message. Is Christ reigning over your life? And you know, my heart was so broken that night. I, I remember just, just slipping out after the service, going up to my dorm room, getting on my knees and saying, Lord, I'm yours. Every part of me is yours. Very special time. I can remember that. You see, when Paul says present your bodies, in the Greek tense, it is a once and for all presentation. It is not something that takes place all the time. You, you hear of people who are rededicating their lives all the time. That is not biblical. Now, it is biblical to have one dedication, and every day we renew that dedication. We remind ourselves of that dedication. But there's only a one-time dedication. You don't need to keep putting yourself back on the altar. One time, once and for all. This is a presentation as real as when you presented yourselves to your spouse on your wedding day. And you said, I'm committing myself to you and to you alone. Will you turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7? Because I think there's a wonderful parallel in this passage of presenting ourselves to our spouse and presenting ourselves to the Lord. Paul has to address the issue of uh, celibacy and immorality and morality in this church. There were some in the church at Corinth that, that said, look, it's much more spiritual to not be married, to be single. And Paul has to deal with that. And he says, no, it's really God's will. It's not anymore. It's good to be married. It's good to be single. Just do whatever God wants. But, he, but there were some in the Corinthian assembly, some husbands, some wives, who said, look, we're spiritual now. And um, we're saved and we're married to unsaved people. So therefore, we can't touch them. Physically, can't touch. I can't have anything to do with you. That would be contaminating myself. And so Paul has to say, look, if you're married, if you're married, don't, don't act like this. Being celibate is, is not, not spiritual if you're married. He says in verse 4, the wife does not have authority over her own body. In marriage, the wife doesn't say, don't touch me. I don't, I, I, I'm my own body. No. She loses that right over her own body, but the husband has authority over it. And likewise, also, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife doesn't. So you see, the, the point is this. When you present yourself to your spouse, when you did present yourself, or if you're not married, you will present yourself, you give your spouse the right to use your body for their pleasure. That's right. When you present yourself to God as a holy sacrifice, you are saying, God, I give you the right to use my body for your pleasure. 
It's exactly what it is. See, a dedicated life is not some mystical, deep kind of thing, so deep that no one can figure it out. I mean, there are some deeper life teachers, you don't know what they're saying. It begins with a simple surrender of self. There are some people who really struggle to have a deeper life, and, and somehow they think they have to do more and get more of God. You know, this is just the opposite. God has given you everything. All he says is, you give me yourself. That's it. You give me yourself. You don't need more of him. Based on his mercy and that he's given you everything you need, just give him yourself. So the first step in a, in a true commitment, a total commitment, is the presentation of your body to Christ. It is a response to God's mercy. It is a decision that you must, must make. No one can force you. The law is not here. It is grace, and grace urges you. But if you do take that first step, and I can't imagine anyone being as illogical as to not take it, I have to wonder if a Christian would hear a message like this, and Paul saying under the inspiration of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice and would not do it. I have to seriously wonder if a person knows Christ. Seriously, would I have to wonder that? But secondly, there is a second step. First step is a response to the mercies of God. Secondly, there must be a resistance to the world's thinking. A resistance to the world's thinking. Look at verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Now, I have to admit that as I've studied it this week, this phrase has caught my attention more than any other part of this passage. It's just grabbed my attention, and it hasn't let go. Do not be conformed to this world. The thought here is that they were conforming to the world, and Paul is saying, stop it. It's not that he's saying, look, I'm, I'm going to warn you about what the world's going to do. He's saying, stop it. Stop it. And the thought here, let me paraphrase it, is stop letting the world squeeze you into its mold. Just stop it. Resist the world's thinking. Stop letting them squeeze you into their mold. What does conform mean? This is going to bring out the richness of it. Conform or conformity means to assume an outward expression that does not come from within. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's so wonderful when you see the words that the Holy Spirit uses here. In other words, don't be something on the outside that you aren't on the inside. That's the thought. Don't act like the world when you are not a part of the world. Let me, let me explain this by quoting 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. In other words, he's saying, look... You are children of God now, so don't be conformed to the way you were when you were children of Satan. That's the thought. Let your conformity, let your, let your outward conformity be consistent with what you really are on the inside. Don't be something on the outside that you aren't on the inside. You see, we're regenerated children of God. We have a divine nature. That's what being born again is all about. It is not just a cliché. It means that the life of God has come into you. You have been regenerated. And therefore, we are not to be conformed to the world. We are to act like children of God. Very interesting. You see this word, world? It ought not to be translated world. It ought to be translated age. And the thought here, and it's very similar to the, way, to the world, but the thought here is the spirit of the age. Don't be like the spirit of this world. 
I want you to understand that worldliness is not a list of forbidden activities. That's not worldliness at all. Worldliness is an attitude. It is a philosophy of life. The spirit of the age. Every generation of Christians needs to hear the same thing. Stop letting the spirit of this age mold you into whatever it wants to mold you and conform you to be something that you really aren't. My heart, I suppose, is continually broken over Christians who conform to the world's thinking. The spirit of this age can be summed up in the expression self-centeredness. That is the spirit of this age. The advancements of self. What's in it for me? The pursuit of happiness. What do I get out of it? That's the spirit of this age. You want to know how, how Paul explains it? In 2 Timothy. These are, you don't need to turn there, but you, you should write this down. And you should get the tape on this and review it. 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this, Timothy, in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brooders, uh, brutal rather, haters of God, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now watch this, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. They're religious on top of it all. That's the world that we live in. That's the world that we live in. The Apostle Paul described what we see all about us, read in newspapers, and hear on the news reports. The spirit of this age hammers on us like a tireless blacksmith attempting to shape us into that very attitude and lifestyle. But there is good news for the genuine Christian. God has redeemed us from the spirit of this age and in fact offers us a way of resisting that relentless and sometimes subtle pressure. We will deal with that subject on the next program. This is Peter Silseth, and I am glad that you can join us for Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. It's a faith ministry dependent on God's grace and the generous gifts of our listeners. If these classes have blessed you, we hope you will pray about participating, either through giving or prayer. Here's Pastor Steve to tell you how you can help us keep Verse by Verse on the air. I'm Pastor Steve Kreloff with a special message about why people like you choose to support Verse by Verse with their prayers and financial gifts. There was a man who uh, was in touch with us and said he uh, had come to faith in Christ as a result of the Verse by Verse series that we did on Romans and what it means to be justified by faith. We're trying to have lives changed by the teaching of the Word of God. We think there's no substitute for that. If you've been blessed through Verse by Verse, please consider supporting this ministry with prayer and your financial gifts. Drop us a line at P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. If you would like to listen again to today's class or catch up on a previous class, they are available at our website, versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to order an audio CD or a cassette with the entire message, please call us at 727-239-0306. One of the early bishops, Arius, declared that Christ was not the eternal Son of God, but a subordinate being. 
Well, that is a teaching that is clearly opposed to the Word of God, but was nevertheless widely accepted in the Catholic world of those days. Athanasius, 4th century bishop of Alexandria, stoutly opposed the teachings of Arius and his many followers. Hounded through five exiles, Athanasius was finally summoned before the emperor, who demanded that he cease his opposition to the Arians. It has been reported that the emperor asked of him, Do you not realize that all the world is against you? Athanasius quickly answered, Then I am against all the world. Please come back for the next verse by verse, and we will see how we can stand for God when the world about us tries to lead us away from Him. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We are here to give you strength between.